Welcome all sports fans. On this podcast, no sport is left behind. I'm Justin Williams. I'm Coberta Ron, and this is our brother from Down Under, me Wallace Bruce. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, filling you in on the latest news from the world of sports. Welcome to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Nee Wallace Bruce. Nee. And I am joined by the other two from this trio, Cobert Durant, otherwise known as Kobe, and Justin Williams. Fellas, how are you doing? I'm solid. I'm living the dream. I'm doing this at work. I am such a good and bad employee, depending on the company. <laughs> Speaking of good employees, today's guest is a guy who has been all over the world of combat sports. He is now in Bellator MMA. He is the main guy, the the operations guy. He keeps the sport together. He has also had experience in boxing. He knows Joe Frazier quite well. So we're going to get into that. He is a Philadelphia native and very proud. He is the one and only Bert Watson. Bert, how are you? (laughs) Man, I'm trying to make it, baby. How about yourself? We're good. We're good up here. Good, good. I like that accent, baby. (laughs) Yeah, it's from Australia. Okay, okay. Been there. Yeah, you loved been there? it. Yes, sir. Three two or three times. What tried to kill you over there? <laughs> uh trying to work now, now I'm not gonna say this word right, but I was trying to work a digidery. What do you call that? Digeridoo. Same thing. Yeah, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and couldn't couldn't get it right, man. Couldn't get it right to save my life. And the natives were actually offended. And I had to learn before I left, but uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was a good trip. It was good people. I did, I think, two UFCs I did there, and I did another uh, another show there, which was a kind of a boxing thing. Nice, kind of a boxing thing. Well, well, it wasn't. It wasn't actually an event. It was an award presentation. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that did that did like, sound kind of funky, didn't it? <laughs> kind, of, kind of a boxing thing, like I'm trying, yeah, like I'm trying to hide something. <laughs> well, we're all I mean, friends here, man, so you don't you don't have to hide here. We're cool. We're cool. Oh, <laughs> baby, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I was gonna get back to that whole didgeridoo conversation. That's something I've seen on Pornhub at least twice, but I'm not even gonna go there. <laughs> was was uh, I in it? I, no, you were not in that one. You were not oh, in okay. that one, me. Unfortunately, no. You gotta look for the one I'm in. Uh, where are you guys going with this? <laughs> hey, you brought up you brought up didgeridoo. I did yeah, not yeah, bring up didgeridoo. I was being I was being clean. I was being cultural. Okay, I was telling you about my experiences. You know. Jeez, you don't tell a guy that's over 150 about pouring anything, okay? That's in dog ears, right? That's yes, in dog yes, ears. Sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, first question. How do you feel about boxing today? You know, it's it's I originally came from boxing. That's right. And you know, started with Joe Frazier and you know, seen through the Muhammad Ali, the Mike Tyson and then Sugar Ray Leonard and Oscar De La Hoya and Bernard Hopkins and Roy Jones. I went through the different eras, you know, with Meldrick Taylor. And I even, my my last boxing event, I worked with the Klitschko brothers. Okay. So that's recent within the last 10 years. That, and, and boxing was the combat sport 
Uh, and then I kind of transitioned into MMA, but boxing was still holding on to its own. Uh, but when I got out of boxing into MMA, I was able to, to look back and see the difference between the two and why boxing was having such a hard time because it began to struggle a little. During the time, the days of Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and Mike Tyson, the promoters in boxing, and I'll say this, and I'm going to get in trouble for this shit, <laughs> but they would ride a racehorse until it became a mule. Okay. If that makes sense. Total sense. And it, it was good for a while, but then it didn't work. They found one racehorse and they rode him and they rode him and they rode him. Instead of riding that racehorse and cultivating everybody else in the stable so that when you needed to pull another racehorse out of it, boxing was not developing the amateur system. It was not cultivating the other racehorses it had. So when MMA came along, I, the difference was, and I noticed it right away, because I started in MMA in 2000 with the first UFC, they made use of all of their athletes. If you would go to a boxing event and you got a bout sheet with all the fights on it, you only knew the main event. You didn't yeah. know who the other 10 fights were. In MMA, I noticed when these guys came into an MMA event and got a bout sheet, they knew everybody. And I found that amazing, and it was strange to see that, that they knew everybody from the first fight to the last fight, and they were there for the first fight. Mm -hmm. So I saw then that this was going to be a problem for boxing competitively. And as time went on, boxing still did not develop its talent through the medium that it had. That's the television, the HBO, the Showtime, and I think HBO is now out of boxing. Uh, USA got out of boxing. And ESPN got out, but now Fox is coming back in. But I said all that to say that the recognition that boxers used to get, I personally don't think that they're still getting the same type of recognition through the televised medium, uh, through your type of medium. Uh, it, it's just not happening. So the general public, unless they put it on the middle of a major event, general public has no idea who the boxers are. Mm. No, I would say the most recognized boxer to the average fan right now is Jake Paul. And that, I was say. yes, a, yeah, him, him, and his brother. Logan. And that, that to me. I've never been one to criticize a person for making money. Okay. Because I always believe, I think the first thing I said to Dana White, pay me and respect me and you got me forever. I always believed in that. And I believe in these guys making the money that they can, however they make it as long as it's legal. <laughs> but for them to be able to come in and just take over the world of boxing and become the face of or the names that people know and recognize in boxing, I'm sure that, you know, the young guys who are just coming up or the amateur program and people who are trying to get recognition, 
I'm sure they're feeling it and, 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 and are not happy that it has happened that way. But it's like anything. If you don't cultivate it right, it's not going to grow. If you don't pay attention to it, it's like you're training. If you don't train right, you're not going to win your fight. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and I think I saw a piece a couple of days ago where they asked Tyson Fury what he thought of these guys. And uh, he said he he thought that they were good boxers, that the, the guys were good and, you know, take nothing away from them. I don't know them. I don't know them athletically. But I saw the guy fight Floyd Mayweather, somebody that, that I only knew because of the YouTube following and, you know, the media following that he got. He got in there and he did it. And you got to take what you get. And that's what we're getting right now. We're getting Jake Paul and Logan Paul. And we're not getting Canelo and Triple G. We're we're not Mm -hmm. getting that. You know, we're not getting those guys. Yeah, no, it's 100% true. And it's just odd that it's gone that way. But, I mean, that's that's what boxing almost has to do to gain the audience these days. Yeah, it's it's interesting because... I mean, the Summer Olympics around the corner, and that's usually been where the next crop of boxers have come from. Fighters will fight for medals, and then after that, they go pro. But the the Paul brothers have definitely changed that a little bit. They've changed the landscape. So do you feel like this, I guess, exhibition style of boxing is here to stay? Or do you think we'll go back to the old way in the near future? We're not in a, in a, in a world that ever allows you to go back to anything. Once you go out of it, then you're in a position, you gotta catch up with it. You see guys in the ring, if that made sense, you see guys in the ring and they say, oh, he's gotta go back to his original style and he's gotta, you know, if you get in there and you you go out of your style and you let somebody else understand what you brought in, you can't go back. And I honestly think that the direction that it's going now it may look like it's a fad or sound like it's going to be a fad, but eventually somebody's going to find a different way to do it, but the same genre. It's unfortunate, you know, that it's here to stay because it's become the crossover. I personally have seen within the last couple of months that some of the retired guys from the UFC are now starting to challenge these guys. You got retired boxers. The boxers are not going to reti- going to challenge them because they're not going to take on real boxers. Mm. I don't think that's what that brand is. Nope. That brand is taking anybody else that would get in there that has some kind of combat sports experience aside from a retired boxer because they're all exhibitions. They're considered exhibitions, and that's the word that they put on there, exhibitions. Mm-hmm. Right. But something, something's got to be done to give the amateur boxers, the ones that are going through the Olympics and the ones that are working their booties off in the gym to get to a professional level, television has to pay attention to that and has to give it a platform. Showtime just signed these guys, you know, but nobody's going after the these young kids that are in the Olympics. And, you know, right now we got professional boxing on Fox Network, which is, I think is the PBC. Mm-hmm. And I understand that that's getting ready to come to an end. So if that goes off the air, then there's there's no platform. There's no medium. So that exhibition scenario that's going on, 
between that and celebrity boxing, that's the boxing that we're getting now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I grew up with watching boxing. I grew up watching Tyson and Holyfield, Lennox Lewis. And I, I got to say, for me, those are the days. <laughs> yes. Those were the days. But it's different now. Those were the days that, like I, I said about riding a racehorse till it becomes a mule. Tyson, Holyfield, and Lennox Lewis. The one good thing we had that maybe we didn't pay attention to is that we had all of those guys at the same time. Mm. around the same time they kind of crossed over just like the time when it was joe frazier ken norton larry holmes george foreman and muhammad ali we had all those guys at the same time mm. and then and then you came on with sugar ray and roberto durand and chavez marvin Hagler, your Hagler and leonard and hearns and all the you know you have a group of them at the same time i haven't seen that scenario in a while uh i haven't seen a class of boxing or boxers come through in a while that, you know, people have paid attention to. I've got my eye on Canelo, Triple G, and I see that in Earl Spence, Crawford. Uh, I I see those guys. But now I I even see where some of those guys are are, are doing exhibition boxing. Anderson Silva just did a, a, a boxing exhibition with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., Oh, wow. And it was televised. And Anderson Silver gave him eight good... I actually think he, he won that, that darn thing on, on ring generalship and aggression. And I didn't know Anderson Silver had that in him. And I worked with Anderson Silver most of his career. In fact, I worked with him all of his career in the UFC. Nice. And I knew he could box, but I didn't know he was a boxer. I mean... He had on shoes and gloves, so he couldn't kick, he couldn't knee, he couldn't <laughs> grab, he couldn't grapple, and he boxed. He boxed Chavez decent. He did himself justice, you know? So that's where we are with that, and it's, will it ever go back to where it was? I think our world moves too fast. The athletes are bigger, stronger. The technical skill level especially in combat sports, is off the charts. I'm amazed with the technical skill level of the athletes that I see now in in combat sports because they really didn't learn how to box until about 2008 or 10. They were working on it. They were working on their stand-up. They were working on their boxing skills, the sport itself. Because people didn't know what MMA was initially outside of that world. So it was a combination of grappling, jiu-jitsu, and stand-up. And these guys started to learn how to box and got slick and started learning how to slip punches and throw combinations. And now, man, these kids are playing with it. I don't want to call out any specific names, but... Everybody now that's out there on that level has got so well-rounded in their stand-up and their takedown that it's hard for another sport to try to play catch-up behind what's going on in combat sports right now. Real hard. And I don't think it's going to happen. Right. The sign-up for the Pro Sports Podcasters weekly newsletter is now live on our website. 
You can find links to the website in the show notes, but it's pro-sports-podcasters.captivate.fm. Just scroll to the bottom of the page and you'll see the sign up right there. The newsletter begins releasing in August and will be coming out every single week. But for those of you that sign up early in July, there'll be an opportunity to win some of the first PSP swag coming out this fall. So sign up as soon as possible and be one of the first to really support the Pro Sports Podcasters. Damn. Well, I originally had questions about Logan Paul, and, and uh, but you already answered that. And I was going to talk about the crossover exhibition, but you already freaking answered those too. <laughs> <laughs> How did so, I do that? You just knew what I was going to say. You're like, this guy, I got it. Like, I'm too good at these mics. But anyways, i see if I can throw a curveball for you. So being with Bellator now, you now have uh, workings with both UFC, Bellator, and other promotions, other also boxing and that too. With Bellator as a, like a coordinator and as like essentially the post weigh in hypes, which are essentially my favorite thing to watch with Bellator some days, depending on the card. Mm-hmm. You wait, baby. You wait till they get. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it right. <laughs> oh, I think Go I got it right. Do you have a hand in where Bellator will be going for for promotions, like for fights, like? Halifax, like UFC did, Toronto, or any other place like that? No, well, I'm recently on board with Bellator, so I'm mm-hmm. fitting in the groove. But what I do see is that they have a very aggressive schedule. Okay. They're averaging, I've seen since I've been there, almost two a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, they're setting up for a big one with Fedor. I'm so excited. In Russia. Yeah, they've got a pretty aggressive schedule, and uh, with the with the schedule that aggressive, I can see them kind of branching out into various areas that are good target markets for MMA. But right now, I've been in Wyoming and Chicago and Indiana, and I mean, every place you go, MMA is the fans are unbelievable. So I can see Bellator going in all those areas and you're probably going to get across between Bellator and UFC in all areas. But Bellator is pretty aggressive. And I like that. Perfect. Fantastic. Yeah, this is more of a an observation to how things have somewhat progressed in MMA from the very beginning of UFC to now with multiple promotions. Mm-hmm. I've watched UFC from the very beginning. Okay, so I've been a fan from day one. Wow. And I noticed with what I'll call the Conor McGregor era that the UFC used to be about working your way up the ladder, beating the best <laughs> of the best ahead of you, and then fighting right. for a championship. Right, right. Now it's more about self-promotion. I'm not going to say Bellator does this because I've noticed Bellator tends to throw two dogs in the cage very often, but the UFC has a tendency to pick favorites and kind of ease their way up the chain until they can legitimately sell the idea of a title shot in order to get that big payout. I saw him do it with Conor McGregor, and in reality, I always thought that he was given sort of a free pass to to a number of championships and was exposed for having gone that route. Right. I see them doing it now with Sugar Sean O'Malley. Feels very mm-hmm. similar to me. I do not mm-hmm. see that happening in Bellator, but do you think that's something we're going to see in more promotions where they kind of pick their favorite and protect them, kind of the way it has been in boxing for quite some time, 
where a promoter protects his racehorse. And rode that horse till he became a mule. Correct. <laughs> you know, you just said, you answered your own question. You said legitimacy to sell. And MMA has become big business. The one thing that I admired about the UFC when I f first started and got into it, and I started back at UFC 30, was that they never gave anybody an easy fight. Correct. You fought, and every night somebody fought. And it was always that way, you know, during the time you had Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, Tito Ortiz, Vitor Belfort, Chris Lieben. You had all of those guys in at the time, and no star was any bigger than the other because they all fought each other until and see you guys got me saying things i'm gonna when i finish this interview i'm gonna be in trouble <laughs> okay until they came to a point and and i heard one day that the ufc would never have a woman in the cage i heard that all the time yeah i heard that mentioned i think yeah it flipped with ronda rousey and liz carmouche and when Ronda Rousey came in, and she just kind of, she was better than they thought she was. They didn't expect her to be as good as she was and fight the way she did. And she did. And when, when they saw the success of that, it never looked back from that point. From that point on, it went on. Ronda Rousey, and Ronda Rousey took it on for a while. And then they started throwing a few other guys in, and then Conor McGregor came along. And when he came along, he picked up the mantle. And from that point, you know, it did flip around a little bit. But, you know, to their defense, they still put on a lot of good fights. And the thing about MMA is that I don't care who you are, baby. There are 20 ways to win a fight. Mm -hmm. And you better be right. I always say, your night, your fight, get it right. Don't ever, ever leave it to the judges because they might not get that right. Talking about current superstars, one of my favorite guys to watch happens to be on the Bellator roster. It's MVP, Michael Venom Page. <laughs> now, he's coming toward the end of his contract. Do you see him mm -hmm. staying or leaving? Well, you know, Bellator is a, is a good platform. And guys look to do one or two things. They either go to Bellator or they want to go to the UFC. And I honestly... From what I've seen so far in Bellator with the staff that they have, the accommodations that they give, the way they treat those fighters, I don't see anything in there that would make a fighter say, this is not the place I need to be until it comes to maybe negotiating for more money. Okay. But overall, everything that I've seen so far, I don't see anything that would make a fighter think he should be someplace else in another market. But yeah, I, I, I think they have a pretty good base over there for keeping their fighters. Okay, one last question before I pass you back to Justin. Bare-knuckle fighting has <laughs> started to really pick up. Right. Do you see it as a threat to the current MMA promotions? I don't see it as a threat, but I see it as, a, as another niche. Okay. I see it grabbing a hold of the niche that it has and if they keep doing the promotions the way they're doing it, I can see it being around for a while. Again, I'm going to get in trouble with you guys. Okay? <laughs> I'm going to say some more S-H-I-T I shouldn't be saying. That's not our intention. But <laughs> combat sports is that. 
It's combat sports. And in any sports, the hardest thing to do is to tell a guy he needs to retire. He needs to quit doing it. That's the hardest thing in the world for a guy to do is to quit. So ultimately, if they have to stop something, they need something else to compensate and to keep going. And I see bare knuckle being the niche. The transition from MMA to bare knuckle is what? They use four ounce gloves in, yeah. in MMA and bare knuckle. They, they wrap their hands a little bit enough and now they got a brace on it. You know, they put on, but you know, I think it gives, it's another, it's a niche and it also gives a guy something else to do as opposed to somebody telling him he's got to retire. He's too old. He can't do it anymore. I just saw Hector Lombard. Yeah. I think he just fought in uh, BKFC. And uh, he's doing pretty well over there. And they told him, you know, that he should probably try to coach or something else. So, no, let them make that money. Your body will tell you when it's time to stop. You don't see it as a potential target for your young fighters coming up to go straight to bare knuckle as opposed to traditional MMA to begin with. No, I don't see that. Okay. I don't think that there's going to be a feeder system. Well, there's a feeder system because everybody fights on the street, bare knuckle. Yeah. (laughs) So that is their feeder system. There's a lot of technical skill level that goes along with that. And that technical skill level has to have some kind of combat sports background to do it. Not just anybody gets in that bare knuckle cage or that ring. And uh, I've done a bare knuckle. I've done an event. Oh, you have? I know, guys. I, I, I've worked with BYB, Extreme Bare Knuckle. Mm-hmm. They're out of uh, Florida. So uh, I've seen it, and uh, it's a little sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> but so was the UFC, right? Oh, man. The, 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 I can't tell you the criticisms I got. And you're talking about a guy that did Tyson's last six fights, Evander Holyfield, Klitschko Brothers, did everybody's. And I disgraced them by going to MMA. I heard that. That's what I got. I actually heard that from Don King. And if he heard, and if he heard this, I said that. (laughs) Okay. You know, but, but I got a lot of criticisms because I, I transitioned in 2000. Yeah. At UFC 30. Somebody said me, so you finally ran out of work. You couldn't find nothing else to do. So you got to do that. Hey. Pay me, respect me, you got me. Mm-hmm. And Dana White did that, you know, but everybody thought that, man, this is, that's crazy. That stuff is not going to last. That stuff is not going to, and it's right now, 22 years later. I started UFC 30. So it's been around a while, but right now, 22 years later or 30 years later, it's, it's just getting momentum and Bellator is, is on the move and, one championship is on the move. Actually, I think that's coming over to the, the U.S. I like what PFL is doing as well. Oh, I was going to say that. That's, I mean, PFL, you know, they just signed a deal with ESPN uh, and they just left my, you know, I'm in Philadelphia. They were yeah. in uh, Atlantic City and they just, just recently left. They're out at Ocean Ones. I've been to a few of their events. Hold on. You mentioned Philadelphia. Uh, Justin's got an interesting little story to tell you. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at pro.sports.podcasters for the most current sports news. Now back to the show. Throw it at me, baby. Did I tell you like my incident when I was doing comedy in Philadelphia? Because that's a weird crowd.
Wow. Like, I love doing stand-up in Philly, but yo, Philly people, it's it's so weird. <laughs> I, I have I have a German joke. This is gonna completely off the rails, but I have a, a joke. It, it's a German joke about um you're gonna get in trouble, but not really, but essentially it's about like concentration camps and how Germans are so good at focusing. Anyways, okay. So that <laughs> that joke, when I said that in Philly was the only time I got a standing ovation for a joke. <laughs> and it felt kind of culty. <laughs> I was like, oh. And where was this in Philly? <laughs> oh, my God. It was at a bar. It wasn't a club. I was very, very new at the time. One of my buddies brought me over as like an opener for him. Well, if it, it, I mean, it, there's, there was no real comedy clubs in Philly, but a lot of comedy acts came to Philly and were either on, you know, the campus of Temple or, or St. Joe's, mm. you know, St. Joe's is more in West Philadelphia. This one was like some rundown kind of bar. It was only paying the headliner. He didn't pay me anything. I did it for free. <laughs> well, that's all so, of them. <laughs> honestly. That's all, that's all the bars. <laughs> honestly. Man, you um, know, Philadelphia bars, man. Joe Frazier and I used to, that was one of Joe's favorite thing to do, was to go hang out in the local Philadelphia bars. Not the high roller nightclubs now. No. But no, the no. bar on Third and Diamond, okay? <laughs> on on mm-hmm. Style Street or Ridge Avenue. <laughs> okay? The regular bar where you go in there and somebody's sitting there kind of leaned over with a with a bottle of beer in front of him and, and looking at you in one eye and he looks over and he sees Joe Frazier and think he's drunk. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can't believe smoking Joe Frazier just walked in that bar and ordered a beer. That's all we ever did was hang out in the local bar. Sorry to derail you a little bit there. No, it's all good. I derailed myself entirely. I love hearing those behind-the-scenes stories. Hey, I'm glad I did. It might have been Ridgeway, actually. That that name does sound familiar for me. That Ridge Avenue, that that goes up and down. Yeah, I can see you. And and there's a strip on there where there's nothing but little cat clubs, okay? (laughs) What's a cat club? I I don't understand. (laughs) You... You're married, so you shouldn't understand. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get in so much trouble with this. Ugh. People in Philly. New Orleans people, is lined with those. Pe- people in Philly going to hear this? Mm-hmm. Okay, Probably. I'm going to have to move out Something. of Philly. <laughs> Anyways, I had never seen the Rocky movies up until like two months ago. Like, I knew they existed, but I was like, why are these? This is just whatever. It's just about boxing. Like, I don't really care. And Kobe's like, no, you have to watch it. And I was like, ah, fine, whatever. It's a pandemic and I'm in lockdown. Might as well. Mm-hmm. So I bought the six set DVD thing, whatever it is. So Rocky one to six. And I am a huge fan of every single one, but the first one. Every single one. But the f- why is that? Because the first one, there was one fight or I guess technically two fights. There was just the one in the beginning where he's fighting that like spider dude. And then the whole lead up where it's a draw. And I'm like, what a fucking letdown. Wow. And the second one, there's wow. one fight, and half of it is just a recap of the first fight. And I was like, all right, cool. But even still, it had like a better storyline. But the rest, I was a fan of. So oh. just the first part of that. Well, I'm going to be real careful with that one. <laughs> I'm going to be real careful. And I'm going to just, I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say it, and we're going to shut it. <laughs> okay. Sylvester Stallone. Is what Philadelphia yeah. is all about? Actually, well, no. <laughs> he actually came to Philly. With mm-hmm. Joe Frazier before he did that movie. Really? And okay. he sat with Joe and, uh, you know, just kind of picked his brain a little bit, talked to us a little bit, just kind of 
it wasn't called site survey. It was called a line interview where they sent people in to kind of look for different areas to do things. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, I managed Joe Frazier for, I was with Joe until 1996, maybe. Okay. So I'm a Joe Frazier fan. Joe Frazier grew up in Philadelphia, his boxing career. He ran up and down those steps and around that art museum. That's where he did his training. Okay, cool. And, and oh, he disconnected. That sucks. Reconnect, Bert. Man, I didn't know that my little uh, story there about comedy was going to. I got to hear the story. I think he's pissed off. Oh, probably. I, mean, I think, I feel I think that's where this is going. I honestly think that's where this is going. I wonder how he feels about Salone being in the Boxing Hall of Fame. Ask. Ask, buddy. All right. Okay, yeah. So you were saying that he used to run up those steps. You know what? You know what? Let me tell you something. <laughs> this thing cut me off just when I was getting ready to get get going. So that tells me I shouldn't tell that. So oh, I'm no, not no, 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 no. Don't leave me hanging. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> Hell no. Let me tell you something. Just when I was getting ready to, to zing it, I got cut off. And see, I'm my fan, I'm part Jamaican. So am I. So I believe in in certain things. And for me to be telling the true man, that's why this thing cut off. So <laughs> that means me shut up. <laughs> the duppy come get you. Right. For true man, for true true. Wow, that's eerie. I was getting ready to tell y'all the whole I'll just say that there's a lot of similarities, you know. And and Joe was actually in that first movie. They paid mm -hmm. him yeah. to kind of go through the ring, to be introduced, you know, in the ring during the course of the first fight. Uh, and so that's is all. I'm not going to tell you any more on that one. I'm leaving that alone. Shit, this phone cut me off and say, Bert, don't do that. So I'm going to leave that alone. So long story short, mm -hmm. Sylvester Stallone deserves to have a statue of him in Philadelphia. I don't think that he should have had a statue of him <laughs> in Philadelphia before Joe Frazier. No. <laughs> I'll say that. So I can say that. The, do you feel like he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame then? In the Boston Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yeah, because Sylvester is. I think he contributed to the sport enough to be recognized. Recognition is awareness. Okay. And awareness mm -hmm. is recognition of facts. And facts are the knowledge. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that Sylvester Stallone did a lot for the recognition and the facts and gave a lot of people who weren't boxing fans the idea to become a boxing fan and to watch boxing. And you know what? For whatever he did, he also put Philadelphia on the map because I don't think there's, I have yet to have a person. I've had Glover Tashir. I've had Sherman Hemsley. I can name maybe five or six people. And y'all probably don't know who Sherman Hemsley is. No, that name didn't ring a bell. Uh, he was George Jefferson. <laughs> he played oh, George really? Jeff George Jefferson, yes. Oh, right on. I mean, I've had uh, Santana. Yeah. So many people that have come to Philly that I've seen or I've been with for different things, and the first thing they want to do is go see that statue or go down to the art museum. So, you know, I'll give him kudos on that. He put Philadelphia on the map with that. But think for a boxer from the city of Philadelphia, Joe Frazier, is and still and should be number one. And they do have a statue of him now in Philadelphia down around the uh, sports complex. Okay. 
Because the Phillies, which is baseball, the Sixers, which is basketball, and the Flyers, which is hockey, all three of those arenas are in the same area, complex. Yeah. And in the middle of that complex is a restaurant, and in front of that restaurant is a statue of Joe Frazier. So they did that for him, and I'm appreciative of that. But I think if any statue was to be put up in Philadelphia first, should have been Joe Frazier. No, right on. Well said, buddy. Well said. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. But kudos, Sylvester. <laughs> I tell you what I did see. I didn't see all the, all of the, the, the Rocky movies, but you had to see them because they were so publicized. That's right. But I did sit the other night and watch Creed. I haven't seen that yet. I love that movie, buddy. And I thought that was nicely done. And that's because I got a phone call from Stitch that it was coming on. Oh, really? <laughs> but I watched Creed the other night, and I thought that was, you know, I thought it was pretty, I thought it was done pretty well. It was good. I love it, man. I like it better than the Rocky films, to be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, before we go, where can our fans follow you on social media? Listen, man, I love social media, and I love staying alive, and I love staying connected. I'm on all social media. That's Burt Watson, the number four real. Burt Watson for real on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, baby. Just DM me, hit me up, text me, whatever, and I'll get back to you. I love it. All right, I'm going to slide into your DMs. Yes, sir. <laughs> and last, before you leave, what's next for you, Bert? Well, right now, uh, I got Bellator coming up next week, July 16th at the Mohegan Sun, and then uh, Bellator 262 at the Mohegan Sun, and then Bellator 263 in Los Angeles all night long, baby. We're going to be rolling, rolling. Right on. Looking forward to see you there, man. Looking forward to it. Absolute pleasure, baby. Awesome Thank talking you. to you. Mm-hmm. Walk good. I got one thing to say before we cut this off, baby, because you know what? Every time I get ready to say something, this thing cuts me off <laughs> because it tells me you're saying the wrong thing, but it's time to go to work, baby. It's time to go to work, and you know what that means when it's time to go to work. We roll it! All night long. Boom. I'm done. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much. You heard it straight uh, from the man. That's Burt Watson now with Bellator. He's the man behind the mic, behind what's going on and going down on MMA. Glad to have you on, Burt. And my definitely pleasure, baby. reconnect another time. Maybe, I don't know, next season we'll get together and catch up with you. Let me know when I'll be there. Thanks, baby. Appreciate it. Right Peace. Bye-bye. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account, where you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.